This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. It's the Adam Gold Show. What is going on, everybody? I am Adam Gold. Victoria is here. And you know who else is here? It's Wednesday. Chip Patterson, Cover 3 podcast moderator. My friend, my favorite. How are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Hope you are. Is this uh, is this calm? But before the storm, is is there a storm coming? Uh, does the well, there actually is the national life. signing day coming up uh, first Wednesday next month, which people don't really care about anymore? Four, four, F O U R of right. the top 150 players we've got our eyes on. But I'll tell you what, <laughs> those four players, right. we're going to make a big old daggum deal about it. <laughs> those four players. Uh, the last pieces on the board. I'll tell you one thing that's really interesting to me. Um, and I, I know that in, in, in the text, this wasn't on the topic of conversation, but well, with Bill O'Brien, uh, going back yeah. to the Patriots, Nick Saban has to make a new offensive coordinator hire the defensive coordinator, uh, Pete Golding likely going to be on his way to Ole Miss after national signing day, which means that Alabama is essentially operating without an offensive or defensive coordinator. So, oh my gosh, what, what's happening to Alabama heading into signing day with no offensive and defensive coordinator. They just have the number one class in the entire country right. with seven, five stars, 24 stars, one, three star who I do think is a punter and the average per player rating out of a hundred is 94.8. No OC, <laughs> No DC doesn't matter. Alabama keeps on churning. Um, you know, it's just that that's that's kind of where we're at right now. Where it's like Nick Saban got a shot across the bow from Jimbo last right. year, got a little you know sniped back at him in May, and sure enough, they responded with an epic, historically great recruiting class. Well, a couple of things about this. First of all, Nick Saban losing an offensive and or defensive coordinator happens like every other year. Doesn't it? No, he makes them stay too. He always right. makes them stay every two like years. I said every other year, pretty much somebody is out the door. Yeah, the defensive side is not a, like Pete Golding's promotion after Kirby Smart left. The defensive side has been mostly stable. The offensive side does speak exactly to what you're talking about. Where you know it was uh, the first big move was to go get Lane Kiffin. Lane, then after Lane Sark. Kiffin. <laughs> Uh, Steve Sarkeesian. Don't forget one year of Brian Dayball. That's right. You know, before he was uh, out there at the New York Giants, he was uh, a failed coordinator at Alabama. And so, you know, this is this is what uh, my colleague Bud Elliott on the Cover Three podcast he says: rehome. Like when Nick Saban <laughs> is sick of you, he tries to find a place for you. He tries to rehome you. Right. And Bill O'Brien got rehomed uh, in New England with Bill Belichick as the new offensive coordinator there. It's interesting. You know, I don't know if Nick Saban's going to go to Thailand to go find Cliff Kingsbury. You know, I don't think that's a very good stylistic fit. No. I th he could poach Oklahoma's offensive coordinator, a guy named Jeff Lebby. I think that he could get Philadelphia Eagles quarterback coach Brian Johnson, uh -huh. somebody who had great success with Dan Mullen at Mississippi State and obviously has done great things with Jalen Hurts. A lot of this is, to me, a pivot point in the Alabama Nick Saban era, because if this is a home run hire, it could reinvigorate Saban and the Crimson Tide. If he strikes out on bringing in a, a really big name and it just ends up being kind of a meh hire, then maybe we're starting to enter our, our final, final chapters of, uh, of the dynasty. 
Ooh. Well, uh, I thought the dynasty was over. I, everything I heard, it was, it was Georgia's world now that even Alabama was just living in it. Danny's got a great, Danny Cannell has a great yes. point. That he says the dynasty's not over, but the dominance is. And the stat that okay. he points to are one score games where even when Alabama is winning in the last two seasons, they have not been by the margins that we saw. The right. the number of one-score games that Alabama had for like a six- or seven-year run were less than the number of one-score games that Alabama has had in just the last two seasons. And so it is literally on the scoreboard showing that the competition has caught up. So winning is still possible. And mm. if you, my opinion, college football playoff expansion increases the chances Nick Saban wins another national title right. as opposed to where we are with the four-team format. But um, this, these hires are important. You know, this mm-hmm. is going to be a, a, a very interesting decision that Saban has to make regarding uh, the future of his offense in particular. Hey, you, you, and, you and I agree with this. If, if we wanted to spread out the teams competing for a national championship, then we would shrink the field, Correct. not expand the field. Uh, but... Expanding the field uh, doesn't make everybody uh, feel good about themselves. All right, let's. People say, would rather be at the dance and lose, right. Than yeah, exactly, and, and not dance. I I went I went to many dances as a uh, as a young man uh, without actually dancing. Uh, let's uh, let's get a quick update on the whereabouts of former Miami recruit, former Florida recruit. Is it Jaden Rashad of the quarterback uh, who had a thirteen point nine million dollar NIL deal with Florida's collective. You just add, add hundreds of thousands of dollars no, on that. I actually read that it was 13.9, so I could be wrong well, here. It was 13.1? Okay, yeah. 13.1. I like 13.9. Uh, I would have just written 14 if, at that point. Uh, so is he, has he surfaced anywhere? Or, I mean, it, it is, you know, would be early semester, so maybe he just goes, maybe he just signs in the summer. So interesting thing here. Uh, first step is I've heard he may not even sign right. a national letter of intent. He might just show up sure, and enroll not? somewhere. And um, uh, JT Tuiamalolau, the star linebacker for Ohio State, famously said that he wasn't even going to commit until the summertime before his freshman year. Committed to Ohio State, saved them in the game against Penn State earlier this year. But so Rashada right now, though, is pacing towards – Maybe a National Signing Day announcement. Mm -hmm. He'll have a chance, as you mentioned, with that first Wednesday in February coming up. Uh, He has visited. He has either visited or will be visiting this weekend Arizona State, where Arizona State, after Herm Edwards, hired a guy named Kenny Dillingham, who was the offensive coordinator at Oregon this past year, led to a lot of Bo Nix's success with the Ducks. Uh, He came up. He's a Tempe native you know, 32 years old. I think he's the youngest head coach at the FBS level right now. And he's got a transfer portal class. It's kind of unrelated, but the, it got so toxic under Herm Edwards that the guy they've hired to replace him is 32 years old and is bringing in about 27 transfers. And that's not <laughs> that much of an exaggeration. The man is literally trying to flip the roster. And I think that Arizona State is going to be trying to make Rashada a, a splashy signee. Like they are going to try to create an environment that will make him say, hey, I can sign up here, I can probably get a little bit of cash, and I can be a superstar right off the jump. He also, uh, either this weekend or last weekend, visited TCU, Mm -hmm. where 
you know, we're losing Max Duggan. Uh, right. Chandler Morris is the expected incumbent, but by no means for sure going to be the star. And TCU went out and got Kendall Bryles as its new offensive coordinator to replace Garrett Riley with Sonny Dykes there. It isn't going to be a quarterback-friendly environment. Jaden Rashada could decide that he wants to link himself up with uh, the Horn Frogs coming off that college football playoff run. Washington also may be in the mix as well, just because Washington, because remember, Florida and Miami fighting over this guy. Don't forget, he's from California. California. <laughs> uh, even before he was a rising star in the industry, Washington was in on the recruitment. Uh, insiders at Washington believe that Washington's not going to play ball, so to speak, on the level of Arizona State uh, or maybe on the level of TCU if Rashada's all about right. that side of the game. Um, Washington is trying to do the – like. It's so funny because we don't really have good references for University of Washington, <laughs> but it's like ah, it's, it's it's almost like Michigan-y. You know, they, this is what I've heard. Hey, we at Washington, we do it the right way. Oh, we don't okay. have NIL for recruits. We wait until you get here, and then we link you up with the opportunities. You know, they, they do have boosters. They do have money. They've got resources. But we do it the right way. The NCAA would never find any wrongdoing with us. Well, why am I having uh, trading places – flashbacks here are you are you mortimer duke is that is that who you are well the thing is like <laughs> truly they're probably tech bros so they don't actually talk right. like that again i don't have the the good university <laughs> of washington booster culture on lock but everything that i've gotten from washington insiders says that if rashada is going to be about the nil deal that you can guarantee right off the jump Washington's not going to be able to hang with uh, an Arizona state was right. specifically what I heard. So TCU, Arizona state, those are going to be some, some to watch uh, maybe Washington in the mix as well, but definitely looking like it's going to be a school that is, is Fort Worth West of the Mississippi. Yeah. 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 It looks sure. like it's going to be a school yes. West of the Mississippi uh, for the California product. We, uh, we have to send you to geography class. Yes, Texas, definitely west of the Mississippi. Well, I, it's, yeah, it's of course, because New Orleans <laughs> is where we started, right? Yes. But I don't, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, New Orleans where the, uh, the Mississippi River empties, right? Empties or starts, depending starts? on your I think it's, I think it, it dumps. Is it, it the dumps. Delta? I think it, yeah, I think it dumps there. Yeah. I think the Mississippi starts in uh, actually uh, like Minnesota. Hey, it's Adam Golden. I'm in studio with my friend, Coach Pete DeRuta with the Capital Financial Advisory Group. Is it ever too soon to seek out you and your expertise? Really, there's no too soon. It's time to get serious. So if you're 50 or over, we call it the financial red zone. And that's when really it's time for you to take control of your money and, and make sure you have a firm on your side that's a fiduciary planning firm, which means they take your side at all times. Now, we'll do this for the next 10 of you who call. This is a $1,000 value, but I'm going to waive my planning fee to make sure you get your total retirement plan and you get on the right path for retirement. Call 888-843-0013, 888-843-0013, or text ADAM to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. I think that's where it oh, starts. Oh, we start in the north and then we dump out. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I think, I'm, I'm, I think that's the way it works. I don't know. Uh, you know, we we started the show out with uh, Armando Bacot having an astrology lab. Uh, I'm pretty sure there are no astrology labs, but. I tried to, I tried to get into. <laughs> I don't know if y'all remember Pick a Prof. I don't know if Pick a Prof is still a thing. I have no idea. Pick a, prof, pick a Prof when I was in college was a service that would allow you to be able to see the percentage of A's, B's, and C's. Ah that certain professors and certain classes got analytics and I remember, man and i remember that the astronomy class 
was a favorable class. I, I remember trying to get into the astronomy class. I mean, you'd get to go to the Moorhead Planetarium. Yeah. You know, you'd get to, uh, apparently it sounds great. Sounds like a great opportunity. Um, I, I never got a chance to enjoy it. I was more of a geology guy. Right. Took so many daggum geology classes. <laughs> one day they put up a bunch of numbers. They said, if you have taken one of 101, 103, 105, or 107, this class will not count at all for you. And I was like, well, I've taken three of those. Okay. Wow. I shut my book, stood up and walked out, saluted the professor on the way out and said, all right, we got to rework this schedule now. Too bad. That is, uh, is way too bad. No, he, but he said astrology, uh, right. which is a completely different thing than astronomy. All right. Um, real quick before we uh, before we take a break. Um, Wake Forest loses a quarterback. They lose Sam Hartman in Notre Dame. Uh, we know NC State's filled their spot with um, – Brennan Armstrong from Virginia. Wh- who's Wake got um, after? Because I think the uh, the backup to the guy who started when Sam Martin was out, I think he also left. So w- what are we looking at as a quarterback for Wake Forest? That would be news to me. Ah, Mitch see? I, I, I thought he did. I could be wrong. I, my my belief is that Mitch Griffiths is, is still, there, still there, will be the starting quarterback, and that there was... Some, but coming down the stretch, there may have been a little bit of a mutual parting of ways. A little, and some of the comments we heard from Dave Clawson certainly indicated a little bit of a proverbial backslap for Sam Hartman. Hey, man, it's been awesome. Right, go out there, go get him. But that staff, going all the way back to the preparation for the VMI game, I I was hearing they're like, look, we we really think that Mitch Griffiths is going to do a great job of running this offense. Okay. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't get you ready for the NFL though, because that uh, that mesh point um, that is uh, that is a red flag for NFL coaches, and maybe going to Notre Dame with a more pro style offense, being able to throw to tight ends a lot, maybe that'll be a better spot. Not not to mention the fact he'll make some NIL money that probably wouldn't be available to him at Wake Forest. No, I don't know that it wouldn't not be available to him at Wake Forest. I mean, sometimes there is a point where. You've spent like you can't invest your entire program on Sam Hartman. If you really have been developing Mitch Griffiths to come and and be someone <clears throat> who's going to maintain that level of mm-hmm. competing for ACC championships, and you believe that he can do that, you got to turn the reins over. Okay. I mean, I, I, it's a very Tom O'Brien ish, you know, thought in my head. That's not what I've heard from anybody right. else. Okay. When when you have promised Mitch Griffiths that there will be opportunities for you just because the NCAA decided that every single person gets an extra year. And Sam Hartman's had nine medical red shirts. Like at some point it's like, <laughs> Sam, you get NFL and go hit the, hit the portal, go get some money. But like, man, we, we got to move on. We can't stay here. Can't keep making the same album every single year. I think Dave Clawson knows that, you know, you, you got to be able to turn this thing over. I, I have been under the impression that Mitch Griffiths is going to be a good quarterback within this system, that the coaching staff has confidence in him. And that was one thing that when the Hartman injury Mm -hmm. first occurred, they're like, I I think we'll be okay. You know, they're like, if we can get him back before, they're like, if we can get him back before mid-October, I think we can be okay. What'd he miss? Like two games? One One, game? One game, I think. Just just Uh, VMI? I think so. Uh, By the way, I thought last year was, not this past season, but the season before was cracked rear view. And this season was more Fairweather Johnson. 
Well, uh, Sam Johnson has some some no, bangers on. No, Earth, hey, Earth stops cold at dawn is good. Um, that is a very good song. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I don't think so. Uh, all right, Chip Patterson on the other side. Uh, Kevin Warren left the Big Ten. Should the the next guy? I said I want to phrase this correctly. If the Big Ten turns to Jim Phillips, should the ACC be upset about that, or should the Big Ten even turn to Jim Phillips? Do they need somebody else? Uh, Kevin Warren left the Big Ten to go become the president of the Chicago Bears and move that team to the suburbs because that's what apparently what's going to happen uh, with the Bears and their search for a new stadium. He got the Big Ten media deal done, seven-year deal, brilliant deal. Uh, I don't know how much of that was Kevin Warren and how much of that was this is the way the presidents directed them to do it. But he didn't want to stick around. He went to the Chicago Bears. They're looking for a new commissioner. Um, just your thoughts on what seems to me to be a step down in prestige, even though you are working for an NFL team. Oh, he like, it's, uh, it's not a total Costanza, but it's definitely just like walking out and just right before everything that's tough because the media rights deal, you know, you say done by the university of presidents, university presidents don't have expertise here. They had a media consultant. Right. You know, it's like, like Fox told them what to do. You know, <laughs> Mark, and which is why, like, Mark Silverman from Fox is one of the names that's mentioned. Like, right. Burke Magnus from ESPN is one of the names that's mentioned. I think that the decision that the university presidents make in terms of who's going to be the next commissioner tells us a lot right. about where we are going in all of college athletics because to hire somebody directly from the top of the food chain on the media side means that we are going to continue to move towards a sport that is increasingly professionalized yeah. and trying to maximize the dollar value and the entertainment value and get the most amount of eyeballs all across the country. If we uh, have a, an athletic director, or somebody from the more academic side, which at this point probably even is an athletic director or somebody that's more traditional, then maybe the university presidents are able to maintain some sense of uh, the collegiate model. And I, I'll tell you that if that is something that the Big Ten presidents want, then some of the best um, advertising for himself as a candidate that Jim Phillips could have done was what he did at the ACC football kickoff <laughs> when everyone gets in there and they're like, Jim, what are you going to do? College athletics is running away. And he was like, we have to take care of volleyball. We have to take care of practice. We have to take care of swimming well, and diving. He like, was talking oh. about gated communities and uh, he was, yeah, he was, yeah. yeah. It's okay to be number three of 32. Who cares if there's two that are running away? We have to take care of everybody. Right. We like, He fought so hard for the idea of the collegiate model and not giving up on it. And there are probably decision makers within the Big Ten who liked that and are hoping yeah. that the next Big Ten commissioner will be in that line. But that, to me, is the fork, is that this is either going to be a more traditional hire uh, or this is going to be e pushing us even further into the world of uh, the sport being run by the suits who are trying to get the most amount of eyeballs and the highest ad revenue that's possible. And in terms of the job itself, when you've got a deal that's wrapped up for the next eight years, when you've already got UCLA and USC mm -hmm. coming – isn't it just like a kissing babies and keeping people happy job? That's the way I think about it. You know, it's it's in, it's interesting to me if if we're going to go the non-traditional route, 
We sort of have an example of it not working, Larry Scott, with right. the Pac-12. If we if if we declare that not having worked, I mean, we don't we we have nothing to compare it to because you could have gone a traditional route and it ended up in the same spot. Uh, the Pac-12, unfortunately, is where it is. And they play a lot Even of games. His replacement is not traditional. I mean, we got right. like it's, his replacement is from MGM. Right. So they, <laughs> they've done that got, twice. And now Brett Yormark, the new Big 12 commissioner, is from Jay-Z's camp. I mean, it's from Rock Nation. <laughs> we are continually going. You know, the like Jim Phillips is right. uh, one of the most like traditional uh, conference commissioners Has at the worked? Power 5 level right now. Has, I mean, too- I don't, we don't, it, it is too early. Here's the, what's interesting about Kevin Warren, because his tenure, he packed a lot into a short period of time. Because I go back to the pandemic, and this is to me where maybe it all really unraveled, and Kevin Warren at that point decided, you know what, I ain't going to be here long. I don't like yeah. these people. Because when yeah. we go back to the pandemic, the five conference commission, five power five conference commissioners met. And I may have some little details wrong here, but I think, you know, in general, I think I have this right. The five conference commissioners met and basically declared, we're just going to kind of hold off here. And then Kevin Warren, out of nowhere, like a couple of days later, just said, we're not playing. Figuring that the Big Ten, as influential as they were, they would be setting the trend. You know, whether it's erring on the side of safety or whatever, whatever the reasons were to appear more collegiate, Warren said, we're not playing. The ACC, the Big 12, and the SEC didn't say anything. The Pac-12, which is apparently joined at the hip, uh, said, yep, we agree. We're not playing. But the ACC, Big 12, and SEC all played. And then all of a sudden, it's tail between your legs going back to the, to, going back to the presidents or the athletic directors as they're losing ground. And Kevin Warren did not enjoy the feeling of being, you know, dragged through it. And I think at that point, he decided, I ain't going to be here long. We're going to get this media rights deal done, and then I'm out. Uh, Because he was essentially ridiculed, and I'm sure a lot of it was offensive, uh, because I don't know how many people understand this, but he's black, and uh, that doesn't always work in college athletics. So can we trace it back to that? Yeah, I think that that's where, if I was Kevin Warren, I would have realized that this next period of being the Big Ten commissioner, which, like I said, is just kissing babies and making everyone happy. Like, if you weren't vibing with the athletic directors and the university presidents and everybody on the school side, well, then it, that's when you want to get out. He is, look, at the Minnesota Vikings, he got a stadium built. Yeah. One of the things that makes him attractive for the Chicago Bears is that they need somebody to build a stadium. Yeah. Like, the things that he is doing... And the things that are his high watermarks are business forward. Mm-hmm. And it is not some of the more collegiate, more networky sides of being a conference commissioner, of which now that UCLA and USC are joining the conference and you've got a new media rights deal done that's worth, you know, $20 billion. It's not $20 billion, but, you know, like a billion dollars a year, yeah. whatever it is, then you are now just left to play politician and Kevin Warren just might not might not want to play politician. And I would think that the way things went in 2020 uh, certainly would have informed that decision or that takeaway. 
Well, I think Kevin Warren's future might be actually in politics down the road. I think what he's going to do, I think he's going to take the Bears to the suburbs. I mean, it's not an hour outside of Chicago, but it's not in Chicago. The stadium in Minnesota is built in Minneapolis. It's, uh, it is in downtown. Um, but they're not going to, I doubt they're going to stay at uh, anywhere near Soldier, Soldier Field. They're going to go out into the suburbs. Uh, all right, let me, uh, let me ask you about Deion Sanders. Uh, because we're headed to the second uh, National Signing Day. Portal closed. How'd they do at Colorado? They did a very, very good job of being able to, um, again, just like flip the roster. So uh, right now, LSU, they've got uh, 11 players in their transfer portal class. Right. You know, Auburn, you know, Hugh Freeze, you know, it's a little bit of coaching turnover. 13 players in the transfer portal class. Maybe coming 20- in, right? Coming in, correct. Correct. Okay. 23 at Colorado. <laughs> Deion Sanders has a recruiting class number of players coming in that are transfers. Obviously, Travis Hunter, the five-star right. cornerback who might be playing both ways, is going to be one of those. You got a couple four-stars in there as well. And then he recently was able to flip Cormani McLean, a five-star cornerback coming out of high school. So now this Colorado defense – while it might be lacking in like really true depth, especially compared to the best teams in the Pac-12 and at the Power 5 level, it would be a five-star on one side of the field, a five-star on the other side of the field, and one of those guys, Travis Hunter, is good enough to play both ways the way that, oh, I don't know, Deion Sanders <laughs> was doing for Charles, a hot second Charles during Woodson, his right? um, I'm I'm definitely uh, in the in the camp of thinking – that Colorado, which was a one-win team and the worst Power 5 team in all of college football this past season, is going to be so much better. But where it shows up in the win column is going to be difficult because the schedule, they do TCU, Nebraska, Colorado State in the non-conference. They've got a nine-game Pac-12 conference schedule that includes USC, Oregon, Utah, UCLA. Uh, Oregon State with DJ Uyunglele is going to be tough. That was a very successful team this past season. I believe a nine-win team. So I think that we can see the buffs in year one under Dion mm-hmm. get a lot better. But there is there there might be a ceiling in terms of how many wins getting a lot better is going to be. But I still think that what he has been able to do is exactly what Colorado hired him for, which is talent acquisition and changing it in a big way. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. I mean, they played Nebraska. That's that's the bye game, right? Is that homecoming against Nebraska? Is it home or is it on the road at Nebraska? Oh, no, no. This is in Boulder. It is. Oh, so should be a, number one. That should let, be let me, homecoming. I, free, free advice. Free advice. <laughs> Uh, I am not in the follow where game day goes or tell right. game day where to go. Like, there's a whole beat of people that try to guess. Oh, where's game day going to go next? Oh, blah blah blah. That's not me. If I was to do the ad, I'm going, um, I see 
the first game of the season against TCU, which just played oh. in the national championship game, got thumped. But Dion against TCU, good sure. gravy. Right, game day, go there. Number two, home opener for Coach Prime is against Matt Rule in Nebraska. Gosh. Game day, go there. Like, like you just you can just, just stay follow Deion Sanders, uh, and that would be all you need to do. Let me add one more layer, and I, I cannot believe that on January 25th, I'm so excited about week two in college football wow. in a game between two teams that are not going to be ranked, but Matt Rule is already talking smack. Is Matt he? Rule, yeah, Matt Rule is like, you know, I, I'll tell you around here, we, uh, I'm, I don't have cameras following me. You know, we don't have the kind of program we're going to have cameras following these kids. Oh, oh, give it to me now. Like Nebraska and Colorado is a rivalry even without it's these true. two. We've got these two huge personalities, and now we're going to have it right there on September 9th in Boulder. And and Ralphie's going to run out there, and Dion's going to be coming after Ralphie. And you know what Ralphie and Dion have in common, Adam? Uh, I, 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 eight I, toes. They both have eight toes. <laughs> Okay. Dion, Dion found out Ralphie. Dion was a little bit nervous, but there's a great promo that Colorado put out, which again, like shout out to Colorado. You realize you get Dion, you sure. activate your entire promo department. Fantastic. And it was um, Dion meeting with Ralphie's trainer discussing how he was nervous about a Buffalo, a live Buffalo that he's going to have to be in and around and finding out the way game day goes. And they said, well, he's this many pounds. Oh, my gosh, he's this many pounds. He was yeah. like, he's, he's got uh, eight toes, two on each leg. And Dion was like, oh, my God, that's something we have in common. <laughs> we both got eight toes. That's fantastic. By the way, uh, RIP to Arkansas's live mascot who uh, passed away. Yeah. Na- natural causes, they said. Natural causes, co- yeah. And also to the Sam Pittman hype train because uh, that staff has lost five assistant coaches. And what happened uh, there? What? What? I mean, Arkansas two years. It was it two years ago. Yeah, nine win sorts of games, right? Yeah, nine win team. A lot of excitement. Everybody yes sir, you know, going crazy. But like, so I've got a piece that's going up. It might already be up on CBSSports.com, giving out grades for coaches that just finished their third year, heading into their fourth year. Sam Pittman's one of them. He has a sub-500 record in yeah. SEC play. Um, not good. Beat Texas. Just his, his defensive coordinator is now the head coach at UNLV. Took a linebacker's coach with him. His offensive coordinator left to go to TCU. His cornerback's coach resigned only to take a job at Temple. It's vibe, vibes aren't great at Arkansas. Nope. Vibes aren't great at Oklahoma State. Um, you know, there's there's a couple places where we've got our eyes on it where things are the the wind is shifting. Hot, hot seats. And Sam Pittman is exactly the name of a coach who gets fired earlier than you would expect. I believe that the names of the coaches matter. And if you are named Sam Pittman, you are not long for that job. Chip Patterson, you're a gentleman. Uh, appreciate your time as always. We'll talk to you next week, sir. Sounds good. Y'all be well. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.